0: Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. And so would you do me a favor? Would you welcome Jared Scholz to the stage as you bring the message this morning? Um, and so for Jared, what we're gonna do, he was gonna give the message today, but I also encourage tomorrow we're doing the table. Right, Mm -hmm. and it's a minister we started here it's hospitable conversations around Christian faith and culture Right, Mm -hmm. and so we're going to do that and so Jared will be there and we'll take a a deeper dive into this and really you get to set the agenda it'll be a lot of Q&A and conversations there so 6.30 in the lobby uh, and this is definitely you you make sure you come and invite people with you and let's have a conversation so I'm excited about the message love Mm -hmm. you brother Amen. amen thank you so much give it up for your pastor what a guy what a guy what a guy well, we're on the right track. Um, I don't know how many people think hospitable or conversation when they think about Christians. Am I talking to the right room? Am I talking to the right city? So we're on to something. That's good. I can't move here. Mandy already warned me. She's like, you're going to love it there. We ain't moving there. And so I said, okay. And then I started praying. I said, Lord, whatever you want. They have such good coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, hey, I was uh, thinking about you, praying for you. And uh, I-, I do love to travel. I do love to share in churches. Um, I-, I do like to bring messages that I think sort of, um, you know, hit more than just a regional level. Um, but my belief is that the local church is the greatest hope for the world. Um,. You know, national ministries, uh, brilliant people, experts in their field, that's all good. I love it all. But I believe that the boots on the ground, regular old folk like you and me, living together in unity, living together, loving one another, uh, is actually what my neighbor cares about instead of somebody who's just good at arguing on a podcast. And so thank you for being the local church. And um, I think Jesus has has taken a big risk on us. Uh, He's taken a big risk on the local church to be his bride. Uh, The scriptures tell us that they will know that we are his disciples by how? By how we love one another. And so thanks for being that. And uh, so I like to pray when I, when I actually land and walk on the ground. Um, I've got different ideas about uh, supernatural sort of territorial stuff. And so I think it's important for me to get on the ground and then to, to ask the Lord, Lord, what are you doing in this local body? And what, are you, uh, you know, what do you want me to sort of commend in them? So I felt stronger this morning... Uh, before church, that the Lord had highlighted for me uh, Psalm uh, 37. And so th- just this teeny little part, and, and I wasn't quite sure exactly um, why it would make sense to share this with you until first service, uh, they were sharing about all the things that they were sharing about. And I thought, okay, that, that is what the Lord is saying, because I'm still practicing hearing from God. Anybody else still practicing? Okay. All right. And for the pompous in the room, I'm going to ask it a different way. Anybody know someone who might be sitting next to you who's actually still practicing, whether they know they're practicing or not? Okay, good. Right. I've moved in the prophetic before. It was actually pathetic. So, uh, 37, Psalm 37, this is what I felt like God highlighted for me. um, Speaking specifically to North Shore, 2023. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. We don't need flashy these days. We need helpful. We, 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 we We don't need pontification. We need an actual outworking of the love of God on a local level. Um, I don't want you to get distracted by your enemies. I don't want you to get out there and try and win the the culture wars. I don't want you to yell louder. What I believe that the Lord would say to you in this hour is trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. North shore. Are you making yourself available to enjoy the goodness of God right now? Are Are you willing to to just do good and dwell in the land. Keep partnering with the schools. Keep feeding people. And keep loving one another. Is that what you guys are into? Sounds like it from the announcements. So may the Lord uh, bless you in that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the chance to share. And uh, Lord, I'm going to preach one uh, sermon less than an hour and a half. Okay. Uh, just, testing, just testing the waters. Uh, but I know that you're going you're gonna to preach a lot of different sermons. And so, as a mouthpiece, I, I can only sort of do my best today to share the truth. But you have a way of applying, and so I'm asking God for receptive hearts today. Uh, listening ears. And would you apply it through your spirit, exactly what we need to hear? Maybe, maybe church, you would just whisper and just say, God, if you have something for me, would you get... Would you, would you make me available to hear it today? Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, may they be pleasing in your sight. God, you're my rock, you're my redeemer, you're my very best friend. And all my friends say, amen, amen. amen. They're gonna show you a picture of my family uh, just so you know how to pray for me. That's the best picture I had. The other ones were too silly, so... <laughs> That's our five kids, and uh, my boy Hagan is here, uh, second youngest, and um, their joy, that's, that's my first mission field, my first uh, discipleship group, and my first love, and so I, too, feel like a little girl, just giggling about how much I love my wife, and now that I'm gone and you're bringing up this whole romance thing you got going on, I'm... Ready to leave early, but we're going to be together tomorrow night. All right. Uh, so, so, so we've done the normal family thing where you have to find your vacation, like the, the vacation spot that works for you. Uh, dad's, mom's, ha, have you ever had the occasion where you're like, I thought that was going to be a great vacation, but it kind of wasn't very good. Anyone done that? You spent all the money. We, we did Disney World one time. I'm like, I'm never doing it again. Uh, it was just, it was tragic. It was like, you're supposed to enjoy this. We have thousands of dollars involved in this. You know, and they're like, dad, this is no fun. Um, but we did, we've, we found a spot that's working for us right now. And um, we love the big city. Uh, we don't feel like dragging the kids through New York is the thing to do quite yet. But we also love the beach. So we need the city and the beach. And so that used to be, um, we tried it three times. That used to be LA. But what the, the, through the magic of cinema, they make it look like that water is warm. <laughs> but I spent thousands of dollars and my kids were like running from the oceans. Like, dad, please take us home. We'll do chores. It's so cold. So we found our spot, Miami. It has, it has dumpsters and odd people and the beach and warm weather we're in. And we're like, yes, Get the city and the beach. Um, we were there a, a couple of years ago now, <coughs> excuse me, and something tragic happened. The, the, uh, the bolts holding up the, um, the parking garage and the condos above it finally rusted through. And a number of stories sort of, cra- you can show them the picture, a number of stories just came crashing down. Now the backstory to this is that um, for a few years, the maintenance folks were saying, um, hey, we've got a real problem in the parking garage. And they went door to door asking condo owners if they were willing to pony up a few thousand dollars and together get the problem fixed. Now, is any, anyone here like excited to go door to door and ask for thousands of dollars from your neighbors to solve a problem they don't, aren't really that concerned about? Right? And so it finally happened. The tragic day happened and, uh, and that's, you know, they dug through the rubble for, for days to try and find people. A couple of days into this whole thing, um, we were driving on the interstate and the oncoming traffic stopped, not a car. I thought that's really odd. you know it started to feel kind of spooky, you know at some point. It was just like, this is very odd. And then dozens and dozens of police uh, motorcycles, and then dozens and dozens of police cars, and then, and then you know secret service and uh, the state patrol and all these things started, and then a whole bunch of Cadillacs, because the president was in town to give his condolences to this, to this tragedy. This is called a motorcade all right? And uh, it's big business. There's a lot of money involved in moving important people around. Who's still with me? Anybody still with me? Now, this wasn't my first blush with the president. Uh, Sometime after this, we were in New York City, uh, just Mandy and I, and um, and. The hotel we were supposed to stay in was closed for COVID. Now, if you remember the craziness of that, we'd never got an email that says, hey, you're going to fly here, and, but the hotel's closed. Nothing like that. So we get there and it's closed. And so we end up through, uh, you know, dealing with the Travelocity gnome, we called him and he was like... You can go to this hotel, you know. And so I thought, oh, man, what is like the, you know, the, the plan B hotel? Well, it ended up being a, a hotel that I can't afford. And it was really nice. I mean, really nice. But it was an odd hotel. Uh, the the lobby was full of people in suits. Um, and they were all speaking different languages. And there were weird men speaking into um, into their, their cuffs, right? Um, And then uh, this really strange thing happened where the salt trucks started to um, park on the side of the road, bumper to bumper, literally. They would touch bumpers. And then a trash truck would come and, and touch bumpers and then some other city truck, et cetera. And what they had done is they had formed sort of this barricade around this block as a bomb deterrent. What we found out was that we were uh, across the street from the, uh, from the annual meeting of the UN. And so everyone in our hotel were the diplomats to the UN meeting. So, so the president was back in town, motorcade again. And so I just figure I'm invited to every room unless I hear it differently. Are there any annoying people? I mean, uh, outgoing, bubbly folk like myself. It's like, everyone loves me unless they tell me different. So, so here I am in New York City um, and th- those are diplomats who run the world and some cameramen and then me in a stonewashed jacket and, and I'm I, I just like, I belong here, this is good. And then as soon as my wife snuck this picture just to make fun of me to my friends, uh, I was firmly uh, but politely um, told I was not actually welcome to, to the event. So I scurried off uh, before they got to me. Uh, the, these are called motorcades and motorcades are expensive. And so in researching for the book, I learned that it's about $1.2 million a day to move the president around. And that's before inflation. Let's have a moment of silence in mourning. morning. Um, uh, it, it's, it's about $3,000 a minute to move the president around. Um, so Great importance, great prominence in the world. Uh, and if you want to move that around, you have to create a safety bubble, et cetera. This is an ancient idea. Um, this is an ancient idea. And it's one that we find in the scriptures. So if you guys could help me feel at home, um, because at, at our church, whenever we open the scriptures, uh, people erupt into, into hand clapping and shouting. So uh, let's open the word of God to Isaiah 40. Thank you, thank you. Definitely this side of the room is definitely more hospitable and kind. I'm gonna give you more chances, but that was pretty bad. Okay, here we are. Isaiah 40 starts to give us the picture of what an ancient motorcade looks like. And what I'd like for you to be thinking about is I would like for you to imagine a world without all the technology. We're imagining a world where you could be the the noted leader over something, but the people in the territory that you rule don't know you, don't know that you're in charge. This is actually where we get idols from. Uh, we would get idols that would look like the leader, and those would be placed in the kingdom so that people would go, that's our leader. Um, so, so this idea of ruling a place that... Um, that doesn't know that you're ruling it. And then when you start to travel, we start to sort of pick up these ideas. I'm going somewhere, so stick with me. Isaiah 40. There's a voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way for the Lord. Prepare the way for the Lord. We got wooden wheels. We've got, um, we've got road departments even worse than the ones in Missouri. Gentle uh, nudge to Missouri, terrible roads. Um, But lots of terrain, um, sort of uh, very very rudimentary technology when it comes to to going anywhere. So going somewhere was treacherous. Now listen, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley should be raised up, and every mountain should be made low, and the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places need to become plain." So we're dealing with potholes. We're dealing with, with uh, all of the possible complications to the king um, going on the road. Let's pick it back up Zechariah 9. Rejoice. There's still. <sighs> You can draw the right side of a church to water, but you cannot make, okay, great. (laughs) Uh, Now there's someone like, I, I think the hour and a half sermon thing actually might not been a joke. Okay, here we go. Rejoice greatly, nervous laughter. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you. There's a king coming. There's a king you've never met. There's a king you've only heard about. There's a king that you've just got idols about. There's a king on your money, and he's coming to you. Church, can I tell you, we should never take for granted the fact that our God came to us. Aren't you glad that your faith is not dependent on you doing enough good things to outweigh your bad things? Aren't you glad that you don't serve a God who stays perched far off from you, hoping that you come groveling and sniveling to come to him and somehow pay him what he's due? Is there anybody else here who is grateful for Jesus, who did not count glory something to be held on to, but instead he made himself a humble servant and he came to you? Is there anybody grateful? Listen, oh yeah. Yes, God. We have such an incredible faith, but it's becoming so familiar that we lose our awe of it. And so, Zechariah, see your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. Anybody else picturing like a horse at least? You know, a motorcade? But a horse, a donkey, it's it's almost like the writer of Zechariah was inspired by a loving God to give us a teaser of what was going to happen. And he says, donkey and colt and full. So I'll take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem. This is good news. How many of you guys know the people of God have been oppressed, oppressed all throughout their existence? Yes, you guys are going to talk about it as a church next week. It's so current. Uh, Being invaded and and broken into different tribes, I mean, it's really a sad tale of the people of God being taken advantage of and, and enslaved. 400 years one time, if you remember. So, we see him coming and he's going to, he, there's going to be war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken and he'll proclaim peace to the nations. Does humanity still have a growing groan for peace to the nations? Is there anybody in the house today who says, I have a groan, I would love to see peace in the nations. Anybody? And so it's, it begins to speak to this and people start to get excited, just like we're getting excited, proclaiming peace in the nations. Yes. And then it says this. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from river to river to the ends of the earth. And the people of God were going, yes, finally, we're the winners. Finally, we are the ones who are in charge. Finally, we've got a king. (laughs) This is amazing. This is the backdrop for the people who are listening to Jesus. And then Jesus starts talking about being a king. Now watch this. We're going to fast forward to John 12. I snuck it in on them. Do you feel that? Okay, John 12. The next day, the great crowd had come for the feast and they heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. You know that guy? You know that guy? Yeah, they, they said like his dad's like a carpenter or something. But anyway, yeah. My my friend's eyes were open. He's actually coming to Jerusalem for the feast. Oh, you heard about him? Yeah, man. You know the guy who every time he preaches, people just start weeping and they say, who is this man? He speaks with such authority. He has so much more authority than all the other teachers. He's coming to town. People go, oh, this is amazing. They go, man, the, the one who fed the thousands, he's gonna be here? Yes, he's gonna be here. Great excitement, great excitement. So next day, a great crowd comes for the feast and they heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem and they took palm branches. They took palm branches and they went out to meet him. And if, if, you've, if, you, if you've heard the story, not only were they waving them Hosanna, but they were actually also doing what? Laying on the ground in front of their king. They're making way for the one who is now going to bring them to prominence. No longer will we be oppressed, we will be the oppressors. And so great excitement. Oh, yes, this is amazing, Jesus. And they began to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel, oh yes, finally. And then he's murdered five days later. This is a room full of people who have a tense relationship with being let down. This room, like every other room, is full of people who have to manage disappointment. Am I right about that or am I wrong about that? There's some of us, even as Pastor Scott was sharing, getting his expectations up about, about a, a financial sort of push that you guys were doing. The way that I see that is he, 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 he didn't want to walk straight into disappointment because disappointment is hard. Disappointment is not like a walk in the park. It's not fun. And so we shift our, our, our sort of expectations so that we don't feel such disappointment. All of us know disappointment. You know, one of the, one of the uh, recent ways in which disappointment happened was a friend of mine's an inventor and I, I like to sort of put stuff together and do stuff. And so anyhow, we went through all the... the um, uh, interviews and levels and, and all these sorts of things. And and we were scheduled to be on Shark Tank uh, with a product that we developed. And we got all the way through all the producers, et cetera, et cetera. And they even sent us like a UPS, you know, uh, package with, with uh, one of our favorite tests to take, which is a COVID-19 test. And uh, they said, you know, you're going to be here in the next week. And so just take this and all this stuff. And uh, just within days of, of flying out, they called and they said, hey, listen, uh, LA is shut down. And so we had to move our whole operation to Las Vegas. And uh, we've shot a bunch of the shows, but it's taken twice as long to get stuff done. And so we have to cut half of the businesses and, and you're in the bottom half. And so, uh, you know, I, I, had, I, had, I had used my imagination and I had already spent all the money I hadn't made. You've never done that. You're righteous, but I am a fool sometimes. Uh, Maybe you do it with sports. Is there anyone here when your team starts winning, you start like prepping um, your trash talk? (laughs) Yeah, okay. I got a witness in the back at the table. It's like, I trash talk, hey. Okay, listen. Disappointment. I I I want you to, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to create, um I'm trying to create a moment for us where uh, we sort of don't let the fact that we 're in church and we 're listening to a sermon and all that stuff um, numb us to the reality that each one of us who sits here today has some relationship with disappointment and so just humanity finds itself in this place, um, maybe you 've had a relationship go bad um, that 's extremely painful, as you know. Uh, maybe you had hopes for uh, you know a group you belong to that 's some of the worst pain is is being ostracized from a group. It causes a lot of pain maybe uh, maybe you dis- 've just been disappointed uh, for your own actions. You did something dumb and and uh, it seems like you know, the punishment for that was much greater than the crime or something like that. Or or maybe there's someone in the room here who goes, you know, actually the most painful thing is when other people's sin introduces disappointment in my life. Is there anybody here who would say that? Like, man, I'm disappointed that I was like hit with shrapnel from someone else's bad ideas. Um, And I haven't found a way that God guards me from disappointment all the time. And so humanity sort of lives in this tension. And so I have a simple message today. Um, it's just a, a very small piece of, of the book I wrote. And it's this. And I need, I need you to hear this. And for some of you, you're going to be so allergic to it right when I say it. Uh, just, just, just try not to roll your eyes. And try to hear me out. What I found in life is that the greatest revelation is typically found when I choose not to roll my eyes because I realize that oftentimes my rolling of the eyes is my way sort of of getting out of something that's hard to hear. Do you see what I'm saying? And so here's the simple message that I want to share with you. There are people who leave the faith because they're disappointed with God. And for some, we find that extremely disrespectful to God. We say, he's the God of the universe, honor him. What's wrong with you? He's not your buddy down the street. I totally get that. But I didn't come here to give you a message that says, hey, here are the completely valid reasons every person deconstructs and leaves. What I came to do is I came to share with you a message to tell you the reasons that people deconstruct and leave the faith, and this is one of them. And so I want to talk a little bit about when God disappoints us and and how we sort of deal with that. If we think about all those at Palm Sunday, uh, wouldn't you agree that they had sort of a season after After jesus death, and many of them, even their resurrection, his own brother, if you do the research, man, it took even on the other side of that for him to believe that Jesus was lord it's, it's wow. but I brought a friend to help me, so uh, i my son told me I couldn't put lipstick on him for the illustration, so I went ahead and went ahead and brought this guy he's he's here to help you, so Hagen said, "Dad, you can't dress me up as a clown, um, and so I said, "Great." And then he said something about, there can only be one clown on stage. And I said, listen, pal, you stop it, is what I told him. Okay, so I made up a word, which I guess when you write books, they they tell you you can do this. Um, So, sorry. Uh, But I sort of made up this phrase um, to help us think about this. And and the phrase is, Equilibrial Agility. Uh, And and the idea here is that um, agility deals with strength and flexibility. Agility deals with with it-ness, With a sort of like, I'm up, I'm ready, let's go. That is agility. Equilibrium has, has to do with being able to keep your equilibrium, to stand up. So when I talk to you about equilibrial agility, what I'm talking to you about is the ability to pop back up. There are those in the faith, for all sorts of reasons, which we talk about in the book, do not have the, a, a keen sense, an awareness, a settledness, or the tools or the relationships to suffer being disappointed with God. And so I can tell you stories about uh, God using me as I was praying for someone, hearing bones snap into place and people being supernaturally healed. And I know it's annoying when God does stuff that's outside of our theology. I deal with it all the time. Sorry, I'm gonna give that to you. But listen to this. I have had moments where I pray for people and they're healed supernaturally. But my friend Melanie died two, two months ago. And as a pastor of a church, It's really quite something trying to walk people through the disappointment that God didn't heal her. I prayed for her. If there was some sort of like magic trick of saying the right words with God or something, then the same magic words I said to the thumb that snapped into place would be the same magic words and produce the exact same result for her LAS, but it didn't. And so there are many who leave their faith and they go, Yeah, I sang that he's a healer, but he didn't heal. I sang that he is good, but he doesn't seem very good. I sang that he's strong. I sang that he loves me, but I don't feel it. And so many leave the faith when they simply do not have equilibrial agility. And so, as we think about sort of these uh, these ideas of equilibrial agility—the ability to handle disappointment with God—when we when we think about that, um, it sort of it gets me thinking about the the moment right after I'm disappointed is often when I'm most creative. Stick with me; it's it's kind of a little a bit of a weird idea, but I think it's going to help you. The moment right after you experience di- uh, a disappointment you get creative. And oftentimes we use our imagination to be creative after disappointment and we say something like this, oh, God didn't heal Melanie. Melanie died. We just, we just did her funeral. Well, you know, when I think about it, what evidence do I really have that God is good? I mean, I, I, wonder, I wonder if maybe, you know, wonder if maybe I'm a part of the gullible instead of the faithful. Do you see that imagination at work? That's called, that's called hopelessness. And so I wonder if maybe um, the skill that God wants us to have as we deal with the moments that life knocks us off balance and it attacks our ideas about who God is and it and attacks um, our, the very substance of, of who we think we serve, is maybe God wants to redeem that moment of imagination. God. Me- Me- Melanie, Melanie died today. Man, Lord, it's hard for me to imagine this, God. This is, this is kind of wild for me to think about. But God, I wonder what you're doing in her husband's life as he's seen the church care for her 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Can, can I let you know what's been happening? Her husband seems to be following Jesus more than he ever has on the heels of his wife dying. That when she passed, she passed just a a few hours after a prayer team and some people came and did not pray for healing anymore, but we prayed for an an incredible transition from this world into whatever was next. And she cried tears of joy and with, with the machine that helped her talk because the ALS had taken away her ability to talk and move and all these things, she used her pupils to spell out, God is good. See, Melanie, Melanie died of ALS with her friends praying for years that she would be healed. But Melanie had equilibrium agility. With her pupils, she said, God is good. Because she hadn't wrapped up the things that God does with who God is. Because guess what, church? We get God. Oh, somebody needs to hear that. the greatest revelation we have is that we get God. And sometimes he does some cool stuff for us. But when he doesn't, we get God. And sometimes he doesn't give us nice things, but we get God. Do you see where I'm going with this? That's called some equilibrium agility. And so I'm wondering today, I'm wondering today, um... if there's something to be learned about the order in which we say things. Um, I, I felt like the Lord gave me this really simple, he has to be real simple with me because um, I'm a simple man, you know. Uh, I just started running. Isn't that what Forrest Gump said? I just started running. That's me. Jesus like, you're doing good, buddy. I'm like, I just started running. <laughs> but I felt like the Lord gave me a, 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 um, an order correction. And, and here's, here's how I would do it. I would say, I would make a statement about who God is and then I would complain. None of y'all have done that, I know. Listen, God. I know you're really kind and you're good. But my friend just won't leave the guy who abuses her. And we just keep praying and she keeps saying one thing and doing another. And it's really starting to grind on us as people who are trying to disciple her. This is really hard. And I felt like the Lord said, switch it to keep elite, equilibrium agility. And I felt like the Lord said this, hey, Jared, why don't you complain first and then declare second? Do you know that God can handle your complaints? So it looks something like this, Lord, Lord, I, I, I keep reading my Bible and nothing is happening. and It feels very, very difficult, very, very hard. But God, you're Lord of my life, you're leader of my life, and you might be silent for a reason. And so, Lord, I'm going to continue to show up, and if you show up, praise you. But if you don't, in a way that I sense it or whatever, then I still get you. Do you see the difference? Do you see how the, the change of, of sort of the order sort of makes sense? There's a great place in Psalm uh, 27 where he says, I love you guys. You're such fast learners. You're surprising me. This <laughs> is It's amazing. Psalm 27. I already said Psalm 27, so we don't have to do it again. Okay, I'll start a little bit. Hold on. Psalm 27. I I love this scripture because it says, uh, though though my father and mother forsake me, though my father and mother forsake me, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. That's what the psalmist says. Though though my, my family rejects me, God accepts me. And, and he gives a couple of other examples of sort of this knockdown and back up moment. But he, he, he makes it really clear here in, in 13 where he says, I am still confident of this. I'm still confident of this. That means, that means he's waiting for like the other, he's waiting for the evidence to show up. It seems to be. I am still confident of this that I, what's that next word? What are those next two words? I will see. I'm still confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Do you see a prophetic redeemed imagination that I don't know how God's going to do it, but he's going to do it. God's working behind the scenes. I don't see it right now, but I will see it because there have been moments I didn't see what he was doing, only to find out that he actually was doing something. So as it turns out, I'm not God. God. Anyone had that rough conversation with God where he puts you in your place? (laughs) But isn't that so freeing to be put in your place? I'm still confident of this, that I will see the goodness of of the Lord in the land of the living. I wonder if those who leave the faith because they have no equilibrium agility is actually the fault of our gospel. Hold on, don't throw things at me yet. Do you notice that I said our gospel and I didn't say the gospel? Our gospel, if we're not careful, starts to entangle the blessings of God with the promises of God. So it might sound like this. If I'm a good boy and I stay pure and I get married young and I make all the right choices, my romantic life and my marriage will be a breeze. If I give to the Lord, I'll never have to do a budget again. I'll just be abounding with money. If I really love God, I'll feel him every second. If I just want it hard enough, my kids will follow Jesus no matter what. If we do enough fasting and praying, all the politics will go my way. Am I real talking this morning or is this just not really where y'all are at? Is it working? All right. I'm almost done. That's our gospel, church. The gospel of Jesus Christ is get in here. Come in. Hey, hey, come here. Come, 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 come. But I'm a mess. I know. Come on. I have such wisdom for you. You're... you're, You're being attacked through foolishness. I have the wisdom of God and it's yours now. Really? Yes. Well, what else do you have for me? I've got a family who's gonna walk with you. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you see where the gospel and our gospel are two different things? And so may God purify our gospel to be his gospel. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's not a whole lot of promises in the natural past that. He doesn't promise every time I pray that someone is healed. He doesn't promise that if I do think everything right that everything will go smoothly for me. Just as a reminder, all of the apostles had pretty, had pretty tough endings. And so, I bring you hope today. <laughs> it's like, I didn't feel that hopeful. I'm here to I'm I'm here to bring the balm of Iliad to your soul right now, and to tell you that disappointment might be one of the most life-giving emotions you'll ever have. We planted the church on the idea that we could make disciples in relationships. And so small groups to us were really important. So we made a crazy thing and we actually, we had half of our people in homes, eating and storing and praying. And then we had half the people at a church where we were preaching and singing. And then the next week they would rotate. So we planted two churches at the same time. If you're thinking about planting a church, don't do that. That was crazy. But we would do this, and and so neighborhood church is what we would call those, those really meant a lot to us. And so one of my mentors who helped us plant the church and was really important to me, uh, he said, Jared, this ain't what I signed up for. And I'm like, ugh, okay. He goes, this isn't what I signed up for. I go, okay, tell me why. He goes, well, the problem is, is, is we've got the food, uh, but, but we got the drinks before the food. So people are pouring, you know, they're getting drinks and then they're walking with the drinks all the way through the food line. And I'm like, Steve, okay. And he's like, and, and another thing. I'm like, wow. He goes, and another thing. The kids are too close to the adults trying to study the Bible. The kids are having fun and doing all this stuff and it's interrupting. I go, well, what's the solution? He goes, move the drinks to the end of the line. And if we could go up, a, a, you know, a story in the house, that would really cure it. And I go, fine. So we did it. And it ran so much better. Dumb illustration to just sort of illustrate, disappointment led to greater growth. And so here's what I'm here to actually encourage you about. There are people around you who are disappointed with God. You are not God's PR person. You are not here to spin everything that happens in their life into a happy thing. You can sit with them in the tension. You can sit with them and say, I don't know. And what I want you to do is I want you to trust somewhere way back here where your spine straightens and you have the faith that you've always wanted, where you sit and you go, oh, you know what? I'm willing to sit with you in this moment because I believe that disappointment can be one of the greatest catalyst for purifying a faith that is impure. And so when they sit with you and they tell you why they're disappointed, if that's a part of your gospel, my gospel, instead of the gospel, then you will have the opportunity to share that. Is that making sense to anybody? And so um, maybe that, that's one of the, the sort of way forward um, I'd like to close now and uh, just as the band is coming and things, I want to tell you about this book a little bit. Um, so so this, is, this is one of maybe 14 um, things that we highlight in the book for reasons people leave the faith. And so in the book we, we talk about um, some people were handed a passionate faith but not a very scholarly faith. And so they leave it. Uh, other people feel like um, the church should be getting social issues better, things like racism and, and wealth and things like that. Uh, some people leave the faith because it's, it's a matter of politics. Um, some people leave the faith because they're suspicious of anything that is organized or successful. Have you noticed that in your city? Just the idea that, I don't know, can't really trust them. If it's organized, I don't trust it. There's also uh, a great number of people who just don't trust the Bible. They, they don't know how to trust the Bible. They've never done any research. And so we talk about a bunch of these things. And then we talk about um, seven pitfalls uh, to not fall into if you are trying to purify your faith. And like one of those pitfalls would be a spirit of indignation that actually comes from the world, but we Christianize it and we call it righteous anger, but we're still coming with a combative and forceful tone instead of the countenance of Jesus. Does that make sense? Um, so we talked through a few of those pitfalls, and then the end is um, proving to be the most helpful part, part for a lot of people, where we talk about um, 14 things that um, we as believers can do to um, stop the bleeding. And so it's a rough book in some respects uh, because it talks about sort of the hard stuff about why people are leaving the faith. But I hope it's a hopeful text because you trust God more in the unknown than you used to. Have you ever had God meet you in the place of stress in your faith, yes or no? There's a whole generation of people are we living in that. And listen, if they are part of churches that have nobody who steps up to be an elder in their life, then they're going to fall away from the faith. And so the greatest hope we have is that you have a culture of making disciples here in community. And so what I'm hoping happens here is when someone has doubt, they go to small group and they look in your eyes and you go, that's why we're here is to bounce these hard ideas off of one another. So we're going to do a bit of that tomorrow night and really get into the nitty gritty of it your last blank, um, because I just want to be faithful with your, <laughs> with your uh, hand out there. When God doesn't behave as expected, we get the opportunity to learn another way in which he is better than we thought. He's better than we used to think, right? Let's make our hearts available to the Spirit uh, right now as we bow.